Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP, Town Hall. Welcome to episode 62 of PHP Town Hall. Um, this is going to be a shit show. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm here with my best friend, Ben Edmonds. Say hi, Ben. Woo! Okay, that was kind of a high. Uh, <laughs> occasional best friend, Amanda Folson. Awesome. Say hi, Amanda. I like that I rate higher. Like that's that's my goal in life. It is. And then back from the dead, he's not dead, Mr. Phil Sturgeon. Hello there. Uh, what am I? Just a piece of shit? Like I don't understand this ranking system that you devised. <laughs> Everyone's uncomfortable. You're uh, you're my best bike friend. There you go. As long as I'm something. There you go. So Phil is my best bike and API friend. Ben is my best friend, and Amanda is just. She's there. <laughs> You're my best. Whoa, hey, 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 now. I feel offended. Uh, so we have a, a bunch of different topics to get to. Um, and since we have Phil here, who hasn't been here in a good old year or two, and he's been up to so much. Phil, what have you been up to? Uh, pretty much just riding my bike. Um, I'm, I'm now a hermit that lives on an island uh, and just, is, uh, just rides bikes. That's, that's the whole thing. Um, I was about to do a serious oh, answer, but I think that actually is the serious answer. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty close. Let's start with you getting deported again. How about that for those that don't mind? Yeah. yeah. I, let's segue real fast. How do you say the island you're on? Tenerife, technically. Okay. And I mean, Americans most, have never heard of this place before, so none of us really know how to say it. Most English speakers like call it Tenerife, um, but it's one of those things like, you, you know, that... that uh, everyone knows that obnoxious person that went traveling around Spain for like two weeks and then all of a sudden it's Barcelona, not Barcelona, right? Like, I don't really want to be that guy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's Tenerife or Tenerife, one of the two. Um, but yeah, like right now I'm in the Canary Islands just because it's a place that people come for like winter training, like people that are super into bikes, uh, like mostly the professionals and people that get kicked out of America and have a bit of spare cash uh, come here to ride bikes in the winter because it's basically spring all year round. I've, I've gone from like heat exhaustion to hypothermia and back again in the same day. So it's, it's pretty exciting stuff here. <laughs> so, I mean, like, how'd you end up there? Like, where, what, what happened to your last job? Oh, yeah. So I was working for uh, WeWork and wasn't wildly excited about the whole situation for a, for a series of reasons. Lots of changes going on there. It kind of went from being a, a startup to a giant corporation, and that's not really my, my thing. Um, so I basically rage quit the country uh, entirely. Obviously, uh, as, as we've discussed on the podcast in the past, I'm sure, um, my visa is usually tied to the job with the type of visas I get, the O one. So if I leave the job, I leave, I leave the visa and I have to leave the country. Um, I'm pretty sure Ben left New York, so he wouldn't have to hear me moaning about WeWork. So it's pretty funny to be back here uh, attacking him directly via the internet. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, I uh, I just left America. Unfortunately, had to pretty much fire sale everything I own. There's lots of tweets about who wants to buy my car, who wants to buy my. Uh, actually, I still have a Cyclops Hammer indoor trainer available for five hundred dollars plus shipping. Um, <laughs> That's why you wanted to come on the podcast. I knew there was a reason. I just really had to get out to a large audience of cyclists. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I just well, it's, it's really only me right now. <laughs> yeah, I just sold everything I owned and 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 went somewhere. Um, so I ended up in Tenerife specifically just because it's warm and I can ride bikes here. Plus, flights are really cheap. Like everyone's like, "Oh, look at you going to a tropical island or whatever." But no, it, it's it was two hundred dollars direct from uh, well, not direct, um, two hundred bucks from from New York via two different places in Portugal and then here. But um, yeah, it's cool. it's real cheap getting to the Canary Islands. Uh, oh, interesting fact. I don't know if some of you guys know Tall Joe. I don't think he ever made it onto the podcast, but Tall Joe is coming to join me tomorrow. Uh, he's going to come ride bikes with me as well. <laughs> How'd you talk um, him into that? I, I just said, hey, uh, you know how it's minus 40 degrees in New York? Do you want to come ride bikes where it's not? I've been so in shorts and t-shirts the whole time, man. It's amazing. Nice. <laughs> it's like the one thing I don't miss about New York. It's just the cold. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. How is it where you are? Uh, it's like 70 right now. God, I hate you so much. It's like 32 degrees and we have flood advisories for the next three days. It's great. That must suck for you. No, I, mean, I got a kayak. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, kayak to the pub. I have some like, I have some like dolphin uh, floaties I put on and I can just swim anywhere. But so, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So I mean, Phil, with biking and and not working, a how are you making money? And b what are you doing to make more money when you inevitably run out from biking so much? Just keep in mind, this is a safer work podcast, Phil. <laughs> of course. Well, uh, all I was going to say is, luckily, I still have my uh, my good looks. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, so I luckily. It's the third time I've essentially been kind of not kicked out of the States, but been told I wasn't necessarily welcome to stay. It's the third time it's happened. So I've had a bit of experience with kind of spotting it coming a, a way off. And, and this time, as opposed to the last two times, the, the jobs just kind of went bankrupt all of a sudden. You know, I'm minding my own business 18 months into the, this, the, into a job thinking it's the, the hottest new shit. And then all of a sudden it vanishes. And, and having the carpet pulled out from under you can, can be pretty uh, tricky to try and like it can just like mess with your finances and, and cause a lot of problems. But this time it was my choice. I basically knew for a long time that I was going to be leaving and it was just a matter of when. So um, actually since July, my lease ran out and I didn't really feel like um, signing a new lease, mostly because I think I've talked to a few of you about it. It's like a really weird thing when you're living in a different country or living in a different place anywhere. There's usually a couple of the different things that, that keep you staying there, right? Like, you have a, a job and a, uh, and a house and a, or an apartment and, and like a relationship. And, and those are the three main kind of anchor things that, that keep you in a place. Um, and then every now and then one of those things will go away. You know, you, you, your relationship ends or your, your lease runs out or you, you lose your job. And one of those things kind of goes away and, and, and the other two things will keep you there, um, keep, you know, tidy you over. So you just kind of get a new apartment or you end up, a little while later you end up in a new relationship and there's always two out of three of those things but i realized that i was down to um down to just the one and it was pretty much you know with the lease running out and the relationship uh, i was in it ended it was pretty much just the job 
And I was like, I don't, I don't think I really like this job. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that I get this promotion in a month or two. Um, and if I don't get it, then bollocks to it. And so I, I didn't get the promotion I've been promised for a really long time for a series of very silly reasons. And so I was like, okay. Not, not that you're bitter or anything. Not, not that I'm bitter. It's just very, very silly. Um, <laughs> and so it was a case of like, basically I knew since August that I, I, I'd probably be going at some point, but I didn't want to leave right in the middle of cyclocross season. So I stuck around for uh, all of uh, autumn and, and winter just so I could keep on racing bikes. And then as soon as that was done, I was like, right, bollocks to you, I'm off. So seeing as I was able to kind of plan it a little bit uh, ahead, it, it meant that it was a lot easier. And so I was living in some interesting places and, and kind of cycling around upstate and, and doing a lot of really fun remote stuff. And for three months, it worked out really well. I had a friend who was, was away traveling and I, I got to stay in their apartment for like 500 bucks a month. So cheap compared to New York rent. Like normally it's like 2,500. So, you know, saving, saving two grand a month and, and kind of seeing the end coming a long way away meant that I could tuck a bit of money away for, for later and just like fill up a savings account. And, um, yeah, seeing as I also sold it, basically everything I own apart from two backpacks worth of stuff, it meant that I had a nice bit of cash to bugger off with. So, um, yeah. Are you um, you going to do the digital nomad thing for a while or what's your now? Yeah, a little while. So I've been in the Canary Islands for all of February so far and I'm staying till the end of the month, uh, taking a boat to mainland Spain. Um, I have got a new job uh, working remote and um, Stoplight IO, who I've been talking about for bloody ages. Um, uh, I'm a big old fan of them, and I'm just going to end up randomly. We, we, we were chatting for ages about some of their new open source tools, and there was this like email thread going backwards and forwards with um, with the CEO, and like 25 emails in. I'm just like, hey, by the way, do you like? Is there a job I could do? And he was like, yeah, we needed to talk to you about that. Actually. <laughs> You should do that, right? It's just the most natural thing in the world. Um, they have, they have you, one fellow that works. When you told me you were going there, I was like, holy shit, that is like the perfect job for Phil and his <laughs> interest, right? It's like they made it. Yeah. They want me to do like, yeah. um, they want me to do architect work and they are a company that focuses on API specifications. They're like the two things that I care about just like merged into one job. And I'm like, yeah, you can give me money to do shit. I love that. Sounds fine. Um, and always they pay you to bike as well. Yeah, exactly. And then seeing as, they they would like it if I was you know in the states, but I'm not legally allowed to be. So um, you know we're we're going to try and see how remote works and uh, get you know, green cards or whatever else sorted out at some point in the future. But it'd be nice to be kind of remote and in Europe and riding a bike around, and, and I can get to get back to the UK and spend some time with the other sturgeons for a while and things like that. So the immediate that I am going to Spain for um, a couple of weeks, like there's a straight there. Um, so I can take my bike uh, straight over to Spain and then hang out in, in Poland for a little bit with some of the other remote workers. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a little interesting time of just wandering around Europe. That's pretty fun, dude. Yeah. So um, when does the job start? Like how long are you unemployed for? Uh, like a week or two. So Okay. That's quick. <laughs> what's, what's like your stack there? Are you still doing Ruby? Are you going back to PHP? Or what's the plan? A lot of TypeScript, which... Oh, sorry. Um, interested in yeah i mean recently is it's been more node and kind of you know ecmascript been more of that than than go or ruby or anything else that i used to program in so um it's interesting to kind of make that switch from from standard javascript to, to typescript i mean i know it's 
it's better, I guess. I just don't really have any experience with it. I mean, you know, the PHP world is going from kind of what are types, right? To like viciously fighting to get them and then slowly adding them into the core language itself. So like I'm a big proponent of types. I just haven't fucked with TypeScript at all. Last time I tried, it was like five hours of me fighting to get some like tool chain build step working. And then I was like, I could just not. And then I did the, the whole thing in, in the space of an hour. So I feel like it's, it's a lot of complications when you're not used to it, but they're all used to it. So I hope they can help you learn. Fair. So, I mean, for those like in the API space or whatever, who are really following what you're doing with the rework, what's going to happen with like Specky and things like that? Uh, Specky has been left with a couple of people that are motivated and interested in, in keeping it going. Um, interestingly, Stoplight have built uh, alternative to Specky. Um, it was kind of interesting how that one came up because it was you know back before I was talking to them about having a job or anything. Um, they were kind of talking to me about, about a bunch of things, and I mentioned Specky, and I was like, "Hey, um, for those that don't know, Specky is a um, an open API based linter. So just like you have like ES lint, it'll be like, hey, you should add curly braces and whatever uh, to your JavaScript. Um, open API uh, Specky will give you opinions it's very opinionated just like myself it, it, it will shout at you like hey you should add descriptions to your parameter names so people know what they are things like that um so stoplight actually kind of built their own because they really liked the idea of, of specky but they didn't like the fact that it was very much tied to open api v3 specifically like it it wouldn't work with generic json schema it wouldn't work with version 2 it wouldn't work with raml or other types of json so um they basically just built their own in typescript and it was way 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 better so um, Specky is going to be kind of maintained. I don't think it's going to be uh, aggressively feature developed or anything like that. So for those that are interested in that sort of thing, also check out Spectral. Um, I will be helping them out. It's got a great team of developers already on it. They don't necessarily need me, but I'll, I'll be there saying things and, and I'm working on it a little bit as well. So uh, there's plenty of options out there for people that care about open API linting. Cool, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those tools that like just join my tool chain really fast and it just won't go away. It's <laughs> so good. And it's so great. And so, you know, I mean, a lot of people have asked me in a PHP space, like what, what else is there outside of Specky? And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, there's Spectral, but I haven't used it yet, but you know, yeah, I have some insider information. I know who's going there. So <laughs> right. hopefully, hopefully Spectral will be the tool that we all use. For sure. And interestingly, like, so, uh, the uh, I don't know if you use VS Code, but um, Specky was kind of a, a clone of Swagger to Open API and some of the internal utilities that were there. So there was a there was a linter and validator logic that was just built into that part of the test suite, um, and that since then has become oh, OAS. Um, so you just search for OAS. Git. Sorry, it's really distracting. So I'm watching Matt get mauled by his dog right now. You can you can see that if you're listening at home. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, no sign of did, the dog. Did, did you just let the dog lick inside your mouth? Because that's totally <laughs> what I think just happened. <laughs> hey, man, getting some's getting some. <laughs> All <laughs> right. What I'm not going to tell you what I gave up to be here tonight, okay? <laughs> there was no sign of this dog for the one hour that we were trying to get this recording started. <laughs> This dog's just all up in him. It took us so long to get started. The dog needs another walk. This is the problem. Oh, yeah, I know. I got a Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and I definitely won't bother editing any of this when I give you the video because interestingly, I'm on I'm a guest on your podcast, but I'm currently recording it because we couldn't get Google Hangouts to work. 
Hey, anyway, uh, what are you talking about? It's very professional. Uh, so it's a good time to break. Uh, oh, yeah. For this episode, we work. It's a, uh, <laughs> a great place to create film. It's been doing my head in. I, I, I literally like, you know, left America and came to a, a, an island to ride my bike around and get away from everything. And every podcast I listen to on my bike ride is fucking sponsored by WeWork. They're more aggressive than Casper mattresses right now. I'm trying to get people to sign up. It's doing my head in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say there's a WeWork. Oh, yeah, there's 25 uh, WeWorks on Tenerife. Um, it's it's yeah. Unburnt British people asking for Cerveza's poor favor. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway, the thing about Specky, uh, yes, so OAS Kit um, is a really good thing. And uh, built on OAS Kit, if you use VS Code for your editor, um, let's all fight about our favorites right now. Go. Uh, VS Code, it, it has something called OpenAPI Linter, and it, it's basically Specky. Um, we've kind of backported a lot of the advances made in Specky back into OAS Kit and back into OpenAPA Linter, uh, which is worked on by Mike Ralphson. So if you like Specky, you can get most of the benefits from just by using the VS Code extension. You don't need it to be in the command line, but if you do specifically need a command line tool, then Specky still exists for now, but in the future, it's probably just going to be spectral. Cool. So, I mean... So outside of like Specky, Spectral, all that, what else are you doing with the uh, with APIs right now? I mean, you can't really program APIs while you're pedaling up the hill. So, I mean, what else? What else are you doing? Yeah, so I'm currently working on two books. I have I have um, uh, currently working on surviving other people's APIs, uh, which is kind of the other side of the coin, right? Like you can build the best API in the world, but if no one knows how to interact with them, then that's a problem. Um, and actually, this is one of the things I'm, I'm really, really grateful to WeWork for. Um, a large part of the reason why I stuck around for so long was that it gave me just a, a treasure trove of, of content. Um, I think if I'd have been at pretty much any other uh, company I, I can think of, I, I wouldn't necessarily have had another book to write. But um, I, I have just had like a, a, just an astounding number of what the fuck moments and um, it's is really helped. So I'm, I'm basically taking a little bit of time before I start the next job to just kind of get as much of that down on paper as possible. Um, and also at the same, that, that book's about 65% of the way through. Um, I've been joined by uh, Mike Befolko, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, he's uh, kind of a full stack uh, developer with, with you know, front and back end experience who's helping me kind of round out because I'm, I'm not the best front end developer in the world. I'm not a very good front end developer. I, I do know the things that front-end developers need to know. I, like, I work with enough of them that I, I can like identify their problems. And a lot of that book is about like you know getting into weird um, mid states where you know you submit a form and there's some unexpected validation issue that the server's reporting, but the client doesn't know about. And because you've already clicked submit, they've like vanished the form and it's gone, and they're expecting uh, a positive um, state on the server. But then that never comes. So you're just left with this random white screen of death and there's no way to progress to the next page, right? So it's kind of like weird situations like that where um, it's either front-end developers or back-end developers talking to other APIs. Um, it, it's a whole book for people that talk to APIs and how to avoid completely fucking that up and everyone just completely fucks that up all the time. So I'm hoping that will be a good one. Um, and yeah, I'm also working on a second edition for Build APIs You Won't Hate because uh, that one was started in like 2013 came out in 2014 and everything about apis has changed completely in that time like 
people, it used to be everything's about REST, and then it was, oh, look, everything should be gRPC, everything should be GraphQL, GraphQL is REST 2.0, and all this stuff. Um, but really, HTTP 2 has come out, and that's changed everything. So I feel like a lot of the time people are focusing on optimizing using GraphQL, and GraphQL is just optimizing HTTP 1.1, but HTTP 2 is out, and that changes everything about how you build an API. So I should probably write this is, book. Is this really just a book, just like Bash and GraphQL, the whole book? <laughs> no, no it's, I a book. Hope so. <laughs> it's, a, it's a book trying to help everyone make educated decisions about when various tools are right for certain jobs. Um, I'm not here. Why did you mystify some of the, the fanboyism? You know? What was that, Amanda? I said I'm not hearing no here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not always the most positive like about GraphQL. GraphQL. <laughs> yes, chapter one is bollocks to it. Uh, so why are you writing this at once? That seems like double the masochism. Yeah, it, it's tricky. I mean, I was trying to just write surviving uh, the surviving book, the, the the client side book. I was trying to just write that for a while, and the problem was I I'd kind of look at it and I try and write a, a paragraph, I try and write a chapter um, about a certain topic, but I'd, I'd really have this like other topic in my head. Like while I was at WeWork, I was doing a lot of kind of internal API consulting. I was running around and, and helping various different teams deal with their issues, and sometimes it would be. You know, the, the API team fucked up. Sometimes it would be the, the client team fucked up. So a lot of the time, it would be a combination of the two. Um, but I'd spend like an entire month trying to help somebody deal with like how to build pagination into an API, right? And then during that month that I'm working on on something uh, like that, I'd be sitting down trying to do client-side chapters. And I just, I, I just don't have... It's really hard to context switch like that. Like when you're really, really dedicated to a certain uh, topic, trying to write about a totally different topic isn't necessarily that helpful. So my theory was um, if I can just kind of do both books at the same time, then if I'm doing a client side thing, I can just sit down at the end of the day and, and write about that thing. Um, and then, you know, next time I'm doing a, a server side thing, I can just go and write about that thing. Um, and, and theoretically that would mean that neither of them got blocked. And I, it's not, it's not asynchronous work, but it, it's, it's helpful. Um, Sorry, has that helped in practice? Yes, <laughs> it's it's helped a little bit. Like uh, I've I've spent the last two weeks working on the the build APIs book, and I've I've really enjoyed it. I'm really happy to be doing that again because I just really 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 wanted to to write some building API related stuff, and I I just couldn't before. So it, it's helpful to be able to make some progress because otherwise, every time I sit down in front of a computer, I'm just like. Uh, I I just you know I just feel bad that I haven't done more. And instead of focusing on like writing, I just like, oh shit, I should probably do this other thing because I just feel obliged to. You know, it's good to mm. good to just get words down on paper because I've got a lot of words to write on on both the books. It doesn't really matter which order. You know? Yeah, that's cool. So for people who have already read the first version of Build APIs, you won't hate. What sort of fun new things can we inspect? Can we expect in the second version, or are you trying not to talk about that? No, I'm happy to. Um, so the first book uh, is basically how to build a REST-ish API using Laravel. That should have been the title. Um, I don't think I really even mention um, Hatios, you know, hyper hypermedia controls. I mention it as like the last chapter, and I don't really do it any sort of justice. I think I like. 
I wasn't like 100% sure how Hatios was actually useful when I wrote a book about APIs, which is bloody embarrassing and slightly painful. That was kind of before you drank the Hatios Kool-Aid though, right? Because it is like a Kool-Aid you drink. Yeah, it's tasty, tasty Kool-Aid. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was before I really understood it. Like um, I've got, there's a lot of different levels of Hatios, right? And, and like one of them was, it's just like put links in there so that people can you know use those links and you can change the url and it's fine and that's like not at all what hypermedia is about so that that was the definition that i had and and people you know like our friend alex bilby at the time would say things like you know i love rest i, I do everything rest but don't really see the point in that like hate hate thing um i mean why would i wait for a response before i you know use a link um why wouldn't I just use the link if I know what the link is? And I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and so we were kind of on the same page with things like that. But that was that's basically the most kind of basic, naive, static APOS where you just literally there's these links here all the time and it's just for relationships and they're not really very helpful. Um, and then when you get into kind of dynamic ATOS and, and a lot more mature levels of ATOS, you're like, holy shit, this thing's actually really, really useful. And you start running into problems all the time um, that could totally be resolved by by using ATOS. I worked at companies where we're like, oh yeah, if this um, if this field is here and this other field is there, then that means that you should be able to do this random thing. And you have like five different applications to look at different combinations of these fields and and kind of um, contrive different business meanings from those different combinations of fields. And all you have to do is put a fucking link in there that said like you can mark this tour as complete if you see a complete link right mm -hmm. like just look for that link the server decides instead of having five different clients decide something you just have the server decide something and then all five of those clients follow the same business rules and can follow the same action and you're like holy shit that, that that's much better so um it, it's not going to be a whole book banging on about hypermedia but it is going to be a book that talks about rest properly GraphQL properly and gRPC properly, right? Like the, the, the main focus, one of the first things we discuss is like, here are the three paradigms, um, you know, REST, RPC, and query languages. And then of those paradigms, um, we're going to look at the, the, most, the, the latest, most popular implementations. So there's going to be a lot of focus on JSON API, GraphQL, and gRPC. And because you can't talk about every single implementation, you can't talk about like, um, twerp and XML RPC and SOAP and, and, and every single possible thing, right? And Sparkle and FICO and so many of them. Um, so we just take like the latest, most popular implementation from each of the paradigms and kind of discuss some of the technical differences between them, when you'd use different things, um, when, when the, the extra layers of abstraction that REST offers you, like when they're useful and when they're fucking annoying and get in the way. Right, um, and how you can combine the paradigms. So uh, examples of like using REST as a BFF, a backend for front end, internally having loads of uh, microservices that are gRPC based, and then having like a, a data access layer which might be in GraphQL. So you can use all three of the things yeah. in a, a mature architecture, and you, you should you should absolutely use a combination of these things. Um, and so it's trying to get people away from like one new thing that came out last month, the best thing that we should use for everything. Because if people get in that mindset, like the next thing that comes out after GraphQL, everyone's going to ditch GraphQL and go running over to that next thing. And we're just going to be in this weird, like bandwagon jumping, rewrite everything, bullshit state forever. And, and that's annoying. Nice. 
So all your books are self-published, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never really bothered with them. Um, publishing's weird. Uh, have you guys, I can't remember, Ben, you've done, you've done some self-published books, right? Like, have you ever been? Yeah, I've done both, right? I had the self-published, then I had the one that's published. And um, not to like shit on my publisher, right? But I probably should have kept it self-published. Like, you make a lot more money self-published. It's kind of nice to have a published book just for the like bragging rights of it because it looks nice on a resume or whatever. But uh, yeah. you definitely make a whole lot more money self-publishing. Yeah, I mean, you have to try harder, but it can be worth it. So, like, I, I was pretty lucky in that I had a couple of followers and stuff like that. So, like, when I when I did a book, there was a few people that noticed it, right? Like, if I was just some random person that no one had ever heard of, then releasing a book on Lean Pub and hoping it sold might not be the way to go. But um, if you've been, you know, blogging a lot and involved in a few open source projects, you just have a bit of an audience. That's that's a good leg up. Um, and, and now that I've kind of managed to build a, you know, there's like a mailing list of two or 3,000 people with, on, on APAs you won't hate, uh, com. like once I've got that, I can just do another book and be like, hey, look, folks, there's another book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can buy it and that's going to be a pretty decent start. So if you've already got... I think it, it helped a little bit too, right? Because you and I both released our first books pretty soon after Lane Pub first came out, right? So there weren't exactly a ton of books mm-hmm. on there yet. So it was really easy yeah. to get this, which I think helped a lot. Yeah, and I think it was when their algorithms were pretty naive. I, I don't know how... I, don't, I think actually they're still pretty naive. Like mm-hmm. back in the day, Lean Pub, uh, you know, Lean Pub's fantastic. It's maybe a whole, a whole pile of cash. Uh, don't, not mean to shit on them, but the, the, the algorithms are pretty naive. Like you can just basically put a coupon on there for, you know, 70% off bunch of people will go buy it and you end up on the homepage on the top 10 mm-hmm. and then people yeah. just buy it because people go to lean pub and go oh that cover looks cool i, I like apis yeah. and they just buy it so like i managed to stay in the top 10 for like two years just because whenever i went to page 11 i just did a coupon code bumped it back up to the top 10 and that made me a shit over sales like th- there's no way to like confirm that there's no like affiliate ids or or, or way to like track through their website with google analytics but I know that whenever I made it, whenever I got down to like top 20 or whatever else, that would be a bad month. Um, and then I just kind of, you know, put a coupon on there and it would be a good month. So, um, yeah, LeanPub really helped out in that way. And honestly, I've kind of gone off LeanPub with the, I've changed my model a little bit. I used to use LeanPub as the only way to sell my book. Like my book was on LeanPub. My APIs, you and hate.com would just be a link to LeanPub and that was it. Because my theory was the more sales I can channel into LeanPub, the more I'll stay in that top 10. But after three or four years, it was kind of flogging a dead horse. Like the book was still doing well, but it wasn't good enough to stay in that top 10. So it, it didn't really matter. So I, I figured if I can get it on my own like sales platform, then that, that will be better. So I set up a Shopify um, website and I used Sendow. So now like you go to my website, you you buy the book, um, and Sendow will send you the ebook, Printful will send you like an actual print copy from the warehouse. That's um, cool. And one hundred percent on the goes the way. Yeah, and, and the benefit there is that, like instead of waiting forty five days for the money to come through from LeanPub and it go into PayPal, um, I get the money four hours later in my in my checking account. Mm-hmm. Um, someone buys the book and then literally Stripe just put that money in my account straight away. So uh, that's that's quite nice. 
And I figure at a certain point, that trade-off between like 80% of lots of sales versus 100% of fewer sales kind of just gets close enough to making sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're still doing LeanPub as well? Like you're doing yeah. YouTube channels? Yeah, so I'm using LeanPub for like, uh, these books are still in progress by them mm-hmm. for now. Yeah. So you can quite easily just like upload or in progress thing and people get emails about it and stuff like that but um yeah it's going to be lean pub for while the books are in progress and i'll leave them on there in case someone clicks through and buys it there's no point taking it off that marketplace um but my website and my blog and my everything else will be pushing my own you know buy it directly from me so i can have that money now please are you still using the lean pub tool chain to generate the books no, that's one thing I've changed. Um, it was really great to get started because the first book I did was basically I, I started writing a series of blog posts and then realized this might actually be more than a series of blog posts and this just would take too long. And so those were all in, in Markdown. And uh, I, I loved the fact that I could just copy and paste my Markdown blog posts into uh, the, the lean, you know, I made a new Git repo. And um, LeanPub uses basically a Git repo or Dropbox, uh, Dropbox folder with markdown-based stuff. So it's really cool. Like you just copy them blog posts and have a book. Um, but it's pretty limited. Like, it doesn't really do all that much formatting for you. Make like a you know, source code highlighting and you can have like, oh, this is a quote or a warning box or whatever. There's not all that much. So now I use ASCII doc. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. But it's basically a nice wrapper and um, uh, doc book. Uh, complicated as fuck. So it's basically ASCII doc is in. That's a great feedback from, from that there. <laughs> Matt's like, I'm bored as shit. <laughs> I just named some acronyms and he fell asleep. You need the dog to start licking you again, you'll come back. <laughs> Still here. Yeah, anyway, I just, uh, it's a bit of a technical ramble, but basically I write an ASCII doc. I've got that in a GitHub repo. That GitHub repo is actually um, public for now. and I've had a, a good bit of feedback. Matt, you've actually helped out and jumped in. It's been really cool. Um, yeah, I'm keeping it open for now. And, and I like the fact that ASCII doc is just simple enough. It's like Markdown, but just does more. Um, and there's not like 25 different flavors of it. It's just literally ASCII doc and that's it. Um, and then you can convert that into doc block, which can be converted into PDF and EPUB and, and God knows what else. So that's my toolchain for now, and I'm keeping it GitHub-based. I tried fucking with Scrivener on the other book, on the surviving book, but like as soon as I had a laptop and an iPad, it completely started saying, like, oh, you you locked um, this like, source-safe version control. It's like you opened it on your iPad, you left your iPad at home, now you can't open it on your laptop because, you know, oh, only one nice. person gets to look at this shit. I'm like, oh, my yeah. laptop's 20 blocks away. Fuck you. I have to walk home and, and literally close the program before I can work on this thing. I, I was going to spend an hour writing. So, yeah, and that just kills your productivity, right? Because you're like, yeah, I'm just not yeah. writing. And so when it, was, when it was one person with two devices, that was bad. And now it's two people with four devices. So all next to Scrivener. Scrivener can go away. It was really helpful when it's just me, but definitely not when it's more than one person. So I'm trying to keep it GitHub kind of text-based. And ASCII doc, I think, is the way to do that. So, I mean, like, outside of Scrivener, like, do you have a preference writing on an iPad versus a computer? Is there, like, a pro and a con to one or the other? Yeah, I really fucked up bringing my laptop with me uh, when I came to the island. 
Um, well, so, but, I mean, besides your like screen issues. Yeah, so I like I have I have a glossy screen and it's like looking in a mirror. It's fucking pathetic. Um, yeah, so I actually really enjoyed. Like, I bought a uh, eighty dollar iPad two off my friend, um, and I bought a thirty dollar like fold out pocket sized keyboard Bluetooth, and that was fucking amazing. It would slide around on like wooden stuff, so I just literally like glued <laughs> rubber. Uh, to the bottom and it was amazing it was literally like a hundred dollar setup and i just i walked into a bar and i i got like i got shit faced but i did like two chapters i just sat down and i just smashed it i went back in there like a, a few weeks later with a laptop and they're like oh no 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 you can't have a laptop on the bar that's a rule from management i was like oh okay and i pulled out the tablet um tablet keyboard combination they were like okay <laughs> yeah, awesome. hacked it um so things like that plus uh like i i've totally fucked up when i came to tenerife i completely forgot to get one of those euro adapters right and so i didn't have any mains plug for my laptop so i it took me a week to find one it was quite a long way to i was in uh, grand canaria and i was like up a mountain middle of fucking nowhere i'm like there's there's no there's no best buy you know <laughs> But I had like um, I had USB ports everywhere, and so the fact that with a with a tablet and with um, you know just a little bullshit keyboard, the fact that you can plug that into like a portable battery pack, and you can plug that into a television and get a charge and do a full day's worth of writing, like that is ultimately the the best writing tool. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of the tablet keyboard combination, and I'm really sad that I don't have that right now. I, I smashed the screen the day before I, I traveled. So did you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess. How did you manage that? I put the iPad in my bag, um, but it wasn't in the laptop uh, sleeve. It was just like diagonal across, and then I put loads of shit on top, and it just smushed it. <laughs> Damn. Wait, shit, I'll sell, I'll sell you my iPad. I don't want it. <laughs> All right, can you get it to Tenerife in the next nine days? Just, uh, just, come, just, just jump on a plane. It'd be quicker and cheaper. Just send me an address and we'll we'll work it out. Maybe maybe you have a crank for me. I need a crank, so let's let's do a deal. Um, for people that aren't aware, that is a sex toy. No, sorry, no, that's a bike part. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're not mutually exclusive here. No, not at all. Especially yeah, when you look at a crank. <laughs> Everyone's gonna go Google image yeah. bike. And they're gonna wonder like way? who hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> That list is very long, as we all know. Are you still doing the Surface Go setup for travel, Amanda? How are you liking that? Yeah. I, to, it sounds kind of similar to Phil's setup, right? It's pretty yeah. similar. Um, I like that I have access to a full version of Windows, which is kind of nice. Um, Blasphemy. Well, so yeah, like, I, I want to be angry about it, but honestly, all, after all of the trouble I've had with Macs and stuff lately, and... Yeah. Um, I used Linux for a long time and I'm just kind of like over the compile your own fun version of dealing with operating systems. Like going back to Windows after dealing with all of that crap has actually been kind of nice. And I hate to say that, but yeah. That sounds um, amazing. No, it is I was, amazing. <laughs> I was really curious about the Surface Go and things like that because I, I really, I wanted a, a, a tablet. Uh, I have this Dell XPS bullshit and they sent me the wrong one. It was meant to be the, the, the touchscreen two-in-one because I wanted to have a tablet that could also do actual computer stuff. So the idea was uh, like, I want to be able to do basic, like I need to send a pull request and 
type some shit and do terminal. Um, but I also want to be able to like draw diagrams for the book and things like that. Um, so that was the plan. It didn't fucking work out. This thing is garbage and I'm full of regrets. But my original plan when I was toying with the iPad to keyboard thing was like, maybe I want the Surface Go. Like maybe that'd be the way to go. Ugh, awkward pun. But how, how is that? Like, can you get normal work done and also have the joy of a tablet? Like, is it actually that good or? So you can, um, I think for a lot of things, it ends up being a little slow. So like you can pull up Visual Studio. Um, the other thing is that it comes in S mode, which is like their secure mode. So you can only install things from the app store initially. So you have to turn that off. And then once you do, you can't turn it back on, um, which I don't actually care about, but some people might. Um, yeah, so you can totally get work done, but like Visual Studio is a little slow if I'm doing something with that. Um, yeah, you notice that it's a little sluggish. I haven't tried anything with Docker or anything like that just because I'm a little afraid. But, um, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah I think in you want to avoid doing that. What's that? I think you probably want to avoid doing that, right? Like on a, on a tablet, I'm like, I'm happy to just, you know, do whatever the fuck is installed with this thing. Like, I'm just going to do basic programming. I'm not going to try and run like eight virtual machines at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think for what I'm using it for, which is just like really basic, light productivity things, it's, perfect for that um and it's easy to not get distracted by things because you are pretty much forced to close them as they start to make the mischievous sure. um but like honestly i think if i were going to do the ultra reportability thing i would have no problem getting a surface at this point and i'm actually looking to replace my macbook pro with a surface uh, that's so. one of the bigger the pro or something what's that one of the bigger surfaces, like a pro or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, just because I, I absolutely enjoyed the Surface Go, and I think if I could use that and keep that same like that same setup, like use it as a tablet, uh, which I do all the time, or pop the keyboard on there and then use it as like a real computer, which I also do all the time. Um, only on like a bigger scale, then no, I wouldn't need to lug around two laptops. Yeah. Would be sweet too. You had like a dock, right? So it's like a tablet, a laptop, and desktop. Yeah. Um, so I don't have the the dock for the Go, just because I I'm not sure I'd want to use it as like a daily driver. But for just like yeah. little little things here and there, it's perfect. Um, but then, like, yeah, the proper surface you can get a dock and everything for it, and supposedly it works pretty well from the people that I've I've been talking to. Yeah, I mean, when I worked with Elizabeth Smith at Tandem with Jacques, she used the Service Pro exclusively, and she never had any problems. Well, I take it back. She had plenty of problems, but I think a lot of that was her breaking things herself, not Windows, but she loved it. Mm-hmm. Great. I thought it was blasphemy, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, no, I'm definitely giving it serious consideration, because um, I've been having some problems with like my macbook pro and i just cannot justify spending the money on another one yeah i've been so i had the newer macbook pro 13 and i've been so unhappy with it like i already had the keyboard replaced i had like the upper panel replaced and i still hate the keyboard like i still type like shit on this keyboard like i'm i can't get used to it yeah i'm not a fan um and then the keys just feel kind of cheap to me now yeah feels like you're gonna break them yeah like i, I don't know i'm just not not digging it. And then like, if I'm using it on my desk and I like press down at the corner, it makes like this horrible cracking noise. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They just, they cheaped out. And I, I don't hate the touch bar. Like there are a lot of people that are like, Oh, the touch bar is the worst thing in the world. Like I don't hate it, but it's also not that useful to me. You know? Yeah. 
I just, I don't find myself being like, oh my gosh, I sure wish I had a, a button that has no tactile feedback that I could push in this moment right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you can get the version without the touch bar, but at that point, oh, like you're not. Is that a thing? It's totally a thing. Well, I think it's underpowered though, or something, right? So there's a yeah, reason there's... I went for this one instead, and it wasn't the touch bar. That... Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I I feel like I'm I'm being a big old hypocrite right now because there are so many podcasts I've unsubscribed to because it's a bunch of just people complaining that like you know the Apple product is slightly different from what they want, and now I'm just kind of being exactly that person. <laughs> no, um, I will totally be that person because yeah. they used to actually care about like their power user base, like the people that were using it for design and video and all those things. And now it's oh, like, sure. oh, we know that everybody who buys these things is just going on Facebook. So we don't actually care anymore. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> totally agree. It's a mess. Company has gone massively downhill. Um, actually one, so I'm still chasing like the perfect setup, which again is, is tricky because like my situation keeps changing and, and also I keep kind of, um, uh, you know, just wanting different things. But uh, I, I was hoping that the iPad uh, plus keyboard thing would be the perfect solution. And, and it did seem like it was for a little while because I had the Scrivener application. But as soon as I bailed on Scrivener, I realized I was kind of bollocks uh, with the iPad combination because now my setup is basically, now I'm using, now I'm writing ASCII doc files in a GitHub repo. I don't really have a good way of doing that in, um, in, on the iPad, right? You don't really have a terminal. You don't really have Git. You don't re you can kind of install some of this shit, but I'd have to have like, theoretically, um, you could have a Raspberry Pi set up that exists somewhere that's always plugged in. You have it installed at home. It's running an SSH server. You vim into that and ask your doctor away. I don't have a house anywhere. I just have a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've done that kind of before, which is like a digital ocean box, right? So I just have like yeah. a yeah. box yeah. and I use that as yeah, my server. I guess. So I could just have a digital ocean and have like a iPad putty or whatever the hell it is and like the SSH client there but I'm just like eh I want to have like VS code I really like having VS code running because I've installed a spell check which has just really helped me out um, <laughs> I opened up the first chapter of the book for feedback and immediately um, uh, Kat and Matt both just dived in there and I had like a hundred comments that were just typos I was like guys <laughs> off. I, can, I can install a spell checker and that's fine um but I love I love using VS Code. It's got like visual previews and a bunch of other commands that I love. Uh, so the idea of kind of not having VS Code to to write just sucks. So yeah, I hope the iPad could be the the perfect working writing situation, and, and it was good. But you, you need to have like a proper app to do it, you know. And, and Scrivener, unfortunately, is no longer the good app for me. So I'm kind of stuck in a quagmire of I guess I need a real laptop. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, and that was one of the reasons why I opted to go for the surface go like i i hadn't used windows for anything more than like some light gaming in 10 years at this point so i was a little sketchy about it but um i i like the idea and the portability of the ipad but the only reason i i don't want to do that is just because you don't have a full operating system everything has to be an app and that just for what i wanted to do and particularly the code things that just wasn't going to work for me so if you're listening, Apple, you're totally listening to this podcast. Please, <laughs> iPad has a full OS on. 
Thank we you. are still looking for sponsorship. 62 episodes in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I we, see. we were just talking about that the other day, too. Ben and I were. Yeah. I say we like I didn't go here. No, I said <laughs> we like Ben and I. Yeah, you still make some money, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, but, we got to find your lifestyle somehow. Um. Did we still have that 40-minute time limit, or did you pay the thing to not have that? I paid 13.99 euros, real real currency, not not sterling, not dollars. Real so technically, money. you sponsored the podcast. I, <laughs> well, well, make sure to take that link about your book. Time to take a break from the billing department. Uh, we are going to go and talk about our sponsors today, apisyouwonthate.com. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, and no. Also, surviving other APIs. Uh, yeah, APIsUNA.com. There's uh, both books are for sale. It's a community. Uh, come and join us on our Slack channel, slack.apisuunhate.com. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's it for me. Um, now, actually, shit. While while I'm in control here, um, oh, I would fuck. like to I would like to ask you guys. I have not been paying attention to PHP as like closely for a while. Like I, I still have you know follow a lot of PHP people. And I still kind of see the RFCs coming through and I still see kind of chats and posts and things, people complaining about, you know, code coverage metrics and things like that. But um, I am curious about what are, if each of you could like point out the thing that you're most excited about in, in the latest versions of PHP. And, and then also I am curious about what drama there is. Those are, those are my questions for you guys. Catch me up. All right. I'll go first. Cause I'm not really up on the drama, but, uh, I don't know when you stop, but I mean, scalar type hints are the biggest thing to like drastically change in the past couple of years. I've I've never written PHP seven, so that's about where I'm at. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I mean, that's the biggest difference, right? Especially syntactically, I mean, if you're looking at something you're going to type hints. And, oh, and yeah. I, I'd I'd uh, say I'm aware of those. Apparently, I actually have my name on an RFC that went into PHP seven point four, which I don't remember writing. I think I was drunk. But um, what are your favorite things in the very latest minor versions? I suppose uh, I'm, I'm aware of. Oh, five. I'm still on like PHP four. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw PHP three running somewhere. <laughs> I do have a client on four dot two. It's for an internal thing, but like, oh my that, god, that mentality is alive and well. <laughs> I think I was 11 when 4.2 happened. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, taking a photo. Yeah, it's just playing around. Okay. I gotta take a photo a day, so. Okay. Um, take my game. Yeah, the uh, the 4.2 thing is alive and well. And um, oh, actually, in good news, WordPress no longer supports 5.2. So, you know. <laughs> I remember having that conversation with them three three years ago. I think it was three years ago. Okay. Yeah. That was like a big surprise for me, actually, that they did that. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's, I, I guess that's a PHP drama that maybe we could get into. Um, that's something that a lot of people have been kind of salty about, um, particularly with WordPress, just because it's kind of the tail wagging the dog where they were trying to say, Oh, well, PHP needs to, the language needs to backport some security fixes into this because we have X amount of people running this version. And the PHP project was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so it got, it got a little heated there for a little while, but um, they are very actively working to figure out who the people are that are running 5.2 or 5.4 or 5.5. 
um, and figure out why they're still doing that. And um, they're also helping people upgrade too. So if you go to one of the WordCamps, there are people there on site who can help you upgrade your WordPress project now. Which is I, everything that you just said, I remember saying three years ago, basically, where uh, and I was really impressed with what, what they were doing back then. Um, and it, it blows my mind that that's still, it's only just become the case. You know what I mean? Like it, it seemed like a great idea at the time. Basically, I have a background in kind of running content management systems. And there's a lot of people that will say, you know, if you support old versions, then you're being, um, uh, you're being, uh, unresponsible. Uh, you're not being responsible because you are allowing your customers to install your software on versions that are no longer supported. Therefore, you are putting your profits um, in front of their uh, their security, and and there is absolutely truth in that. But there's also this kind of realistic situation of um, if you only you know if you support versions that that are the very 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 latest thing, and the hosting companies don't have them, and those customers can can use your software because it's too modern, then they just use some other bullshit. So like when Piracy MS was too aggressive with its version upgrades and say like, you know, um, version 5.4 just came out a few months ago. If we, if we supported, uh, if we dropped, if we suddenly jumped on a 5.4, everyone would just say, well, we're not going to use your newest version of the software. And so that would be another problem where, you know, they aren't getting Piracy MS updates because they're on an old version of Piracy MS because that's the one that works on their hosting because those hosting companies are slow. So there's so much gray area where like you can't just support the latest versions because you will lose money um, and you will have people just stuck on old shitty versions of your software, which often is more dangerous than having them on older versions of PHP, right? Especially when your software can kind of avoid some of those PHP um, insecurities. So, um, the, that's some, some, some context to where I used to think about it. But I was always really impressed with WordPress because they were, like you say, actively, um, they had like a, a phone home feature and they'd know um, which hosting company you were with, which version they were on. They'd have statistics around which were the highest priority um, hosting companies they should try and talk to to try and get them to upgrade. And they were saying, like, we're going to keep supporting 5.2 because we have 70% of our user base on, on 5.2 or whatever the numbers were. I'm making them up. But we, we know that of that 70%, like, Half of them on GoDaddy, so we're going to go and we're going to go talk to GoDaddy, and we're going to help GoDaddy upgrade, and we're going to help make this as seamless as possible. And we're going to say, "Hey, GoDaddy, here's a list of your users, or whatever it is. Here's you know, here's a bunch of people that we think are using WordPress. They're on 5.2. Here's the, the commands that you should run for these users to seamlessly upgrade them, and everyone will be happy, and everything will be great." And they were saying that three years ago. So to find out that they they've like just this last week or two like have, have made progress on that. that that's kind of sad i've gone from being very happy with them to being sad yeah i mean it's a big beast though right slowly I'm, I'm just pretty excited to see like some actual forward momentum there because it's a pretty big jump too it's not just like a single minor right they're moving up several. <laughs> yeah i think they're dropping 5.6 this year as well mm-hmm. and moving oh, up until 7.0 which i mean it's progress and for the sake of progress, you know, but I mean, 7.0 is now dead for all intents and purposes, but at least it's, it's I mean, I still say it's pretty good though, right? Cause like we were an enterprise stuff that still has five, six. And yeah. like, I don't think five, six is all that rare out there in the wild, you know? Yeah. I'm okay it's, with I, 5.6 being like the, the minimum. Yeah. Right now. 
Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, there's no big security flaws in 5.6 when they killed it a couple months ago. So, I mean, I think it's fine for right now. I just, I wish there was a clear upgrade path for those users, you know. Yeah. Developers weren't afraid right, to... So they, they went from dropping 5.2 to dropping 5.6 in the same month, or did I mishear you completely? Is 5.2 long dead? What was the version no, they just... Well, well, so they had they had the state of the word, and it was here in Nashville um, back in December. And in Matt's keynote or whatever, he basically said, um, "We're officially dropping support for five point six and pushing everything to seven point um, So you, they still have five point six support through this year, I think, and next year seven point is required. Oh, for that's amazing. Fun- I yeah, thought I might have said like 5.2 was just dropped and I was going to say that's the whole thing I've been talking about for the last like three years. You can just edit out the last 10 minute diatribe from me if, if they've just got rid of 5.6. Well, I'm, no, I think you're no, both you're accurate, right? Like they just got rid of 5.2, yeah. but they've already put a plan in place to get everybody up to 7. Within yeah. Oh, okay. No, and I, I think you're still... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm done. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, no, I think there's still some validity. Like, the issue that I had is, like, great, you're making an effort to fix this thing. But, like you were saying, they also collect a whole bunch of metrics. And at the point where you know that, like, I think it was down to 2%, and then it was definitely less than 1%, and they were still like, no, 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 backwards compatibility, backwards compatibility. It's like, all right, less than 1% of your users are running 5.2. Like, I think now is the time where you can say, all right, we're no longer supporting this version. But, like, I understand why they do that, and... If I'm an end user, like I probably appreciate that a little bit, but at the same time, I, I think you're right with the irresponsibility thing. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like I said, as as a person that used to run a CMS business that was my main source of income for two or three years or something, like I totally get why they might have their priorities the way they do. But again, even when I was running that business, if I was going to piss off 1% of my users, then that's fine. Um, like... That's madness. Yeah, when they were saying like 70% of our users are on 5.2, we have to try and make sure that we upgrade all these people and or get the hosting companies. That totally made sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're down to 1%. Get the fuck on with it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that was really where a lot of my, I don't want to say rage came from because I wasn't really like mad about it, but it was irritating to some degree. It's like, come on, man. It's less than 1%. Did the eyebrow, eyebrow twitch? Yes, well, always. <laughs> I mean, it was just annoying for the most part, you know, like maintaining PHP versions on info and people are still like, oh no, 5.2 is okay. It's like, no, 5.2 is dead. It's it's so dead that like it's, it's no point even trying to use it, but people were holding on it because of WordPress. So to see them try and bump it up is it's about time. That's good. And, and so, Matt, whilst I am hijacking this, uh, uh, being the host for the grand prize of €13.99, um, what is your uh, favorite PHP feature and also favorite recent drama? So favorite, favorite recent feature and favorite uh, drama. My favorite feature is not out yet, um, but it was because of you, and it's going to be the type properties that Nikita pushed through. Um, yeah, I think that not it's, because of me, because of Nikita, and because of um, Joe Watkins, I just uh, write words. Well, yeah, yeah. You you wrote the initial words, and I think Joe did the initial implementation, uh, and then it was kind of backbenched for a little while, and then Nikita and Bob 
Wyland, I think is his name. Um, might be getting it wrong, but I think it's Bob Wyland. They picked it up and got it through with resounding success. Um, something I think 50 to 1 votes passing the RFC process. I could be wrong. Uh, the only one who voted against the one. It wasn't you. Although you were there for a while. <laughs> I jumped no, in with the, the troll vote. You jumped in with the troll vote, and then Dimitri actually had a legitimate vote against it. Um, so he was he was a, a, a minus one, but for, for good reason, uh, because it added complexity to the engine um, that you know he maintains the engine for the most part. So he had good reason to vote no, uh, but I'm super excited about that. I think it's going to be a great feature for PHP. Um, I know some people... You know, who are super masochists like Marco Pavetta are basically already compiling from source and requiring PHP 7.4 and some of their pack, some of their like more uh, bleeding edge packages, which you know, take that how you will. I don't really know. Uh, drama wise, uh, I mean, I pay attention to the externals or the internals and it's been like a drama filled three or four weeks. It's been great. Zeev is trying to limit who can vote. That's pretty awesome. Oh, I saw uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't have voting power. I don't have voting rights. I don't have any karma on internals at all. Um, I don't know his his reasoning behind it, but personally to me it feels like a power grab. Um, because if, if you haven't been following along, you know, they were Zen was bought by Rogue Wave a couple years ago, and now Rogue Wave was bought by Freeforce, and then they basically let Zen go. So now those guys don't have a job. So I think uh, Ziva's trying to spin Zen back up and, you know, try and get the band back together. And so I think he's partially bored and partially just, you know, he wants to take PHP, he wants to get control of PHP back, so he's trying mm-hmm. to limit who can vote, which I think is just utterly fucking ridiculous. Uh, because yeah. it basically removes userland voters, people like Fabian, uh, John Wage, Marco, people who don't, who don't know, who, I don't know, people who don't contribute any C code but use the language daily. Um, which I think is is personally just utterly ridiculous. Um, and then today, oddly enough, so we might be getting a JIT. We might not be getting a JIT now. I don't necessarily know. It looked like it was going to be a, a thing in 8.0, which is supposed to come out next year. And now all of a sudden, Dimitri's doing his thing and doesn't want to work on it anymore after some criticism. I'm not really sure. I was just reading wait, the thread. and Wait, wait, wait. You mean version 9? Yeah, yeah. We version 9 minus 1. Every other, we do every other major version in PHP. Well, Phil, use your internals credit, karma, whatever. And contiguous, contiguous major versions of the tosses. Okay, you can't just, you can't just go 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. That's not, you, you got to do, you got to do 5, five seven. 7, 12, XP. <laughs> PHP Vista. Yeah. PHP Snowline. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that covers the, the drama for the most part. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, those are the big ones. I mean, that, that doesn't yeah, sound... I mean, that, that's pretty much it. It doesn't sound too different from what I have come to expect from Steve. Like, that's been going on since forever. Like, as soon as then we're like, hey, we as a company are going to start putting time, effort, and money into PHP. They've been trying to just take over the whole thing. Like, they've been trying to do that forever. I, I've, I've heard that from the horse's mouth. Um, uh, up to people that you know invented the language. Like everyone says the same thing. They just end up always been trying to take over. Um, and I think they 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 calmed down for a little bit. 
And then, yeah, I guess after getting bought and dumped, they've, they've uncalmed down and they're just back to trying to take the whole thing over again. It's just, it's a shame. But luckily the PHP community yeah. is strong enough and big enough and powerful enough and diverse enough that they managed to keep kind of um, rebutting his advances. So that's good. Well, we'll see. I mean, the user lane is having its own troubles around void type ins right now, too, which is pretty fucking funny and really sad, but really what funny. Can, can you... Can I you mean, so I, I think I can just hit them just fine. It might be a little bit of a void, but... Uh, so, yeah. That was, that, was, that was like my boss level bad, but I think I landed. Um, so, Sebastian... So the first Friday of February, Sebastian releases a new version of PHP Unit. He released PHP Unit uh, eight. Wow, yeah, a few Fridays ago, I think it was. And so um, with this, you're required to now type in all of your test functions or test methods with a, a void return type. Um, I mean, at at Open Sky where I work, we've been doing this for well over a year since I started and it's been fine. It's, it's, it works. And, you know, I mean, is it a little bit of visual debt? Sure. But now with PHP Unit 8, it's actually required to do that per the contract that you create with the API. And uh, the Laravel developers, some of them are just freaking out about how Sebastian had the, the for lack of a better word, balls to um, make Laravel developers add a void type hint to to their uh, their test methods because I, I still haven't figured out why they're they're pissed. It, they they're just pissed about having to type five characters, a a, a colon. Yeah, well, it's 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 actually six characters. Excuse me, seven actually if I count. So oh, you, I was going to say space, five five characters I, seems pretty reasonable, but six get fucked. I'm not going to sit around here typing well, six characters. Seven. Are you fucking insane? Seven get there. Seven. Because I am going to switch to Ruby right now. Yeah, you should. So you close your parentheses, you add a space, then a colon, another space, and then you type out VOID, and holy shit. So, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't necessarily figured out why certain people are mad about this. Uh, I, I, it, it doesn't bother me in the least. It's, it's almost natural at this point for me to just add void to my test methods, I, just, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why this is such a big deal, but honestly, watching them melt down has is, is kind of been like almost as good as watching Star Wars for the like 100th time. Maybe it's just like an um, a existential dread situation. They just can't deal with the idea of just like sitting there staring into the void all day long. They're just terrified of what life has become. What life well, I mean, be. I like to scream into the void, so I don't know. If you saw the pictures... Last week at Sunshine, I got up to go to the bathroom. When I came out, there was like a band playing around our table. And they were like blocking my way back to the seat. So I just like stood there, scared out of my mind. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going like, to scream internally the entire time. I saw the, so. I saw the photograph of you uh, dressed up as me. Yes. <laughs> yes. So what's... Anyone in the PHP community that rides a bike is now just doing a shit impression of Phil Sturgeon is apparently how that whole thing works. Uh, well, and and talks about APIs nonstop apparently, because that's like I ride bikes and I talk about APIs, so people think I'm like the American version of you. <laughs> I was the American well, version of me until until about a month ago. Until you weren't. Yeah, I see, I still have permission. Country, country, so I can do what I want. 
But what's really fun, like, so we came back and um, uh, Kat and I both walked over there and people looked at us and everyone thought I got, like, ran over by a car and everyone thought, like, Kat, like, just gotten out of shower with all nice and clean and then there's me. Thought, like, I died and was, like, dragged through the streets of Miami on the back of a car or something. <laughs> it sounds like the time that me and Ben were in uh, Sunshine PHP. Anyway, uh, do we have any any other questions? Uh <laughs> something about php versions i see here oh yeah matt what has been going on with php versions you've been doing a very wonderful job um yeah so about a year ago i finally got off my lazy ass and started rewriting it to php um and i finally released it out there it's it's still kind of beta-ish as we figure out some bugs i have a um i brought colin odell officially onto the project to kind of like manage pull requests so I could free up some time. So like we, we rewrote the project PHP, it's Laravel, Vue.js. Uh, there's going to be an open API spec with it so people can consume it um, outside of the website as well. Um, so we just, I kind of quietly launched it last week and just kind of been drumming up support, getting people to look at it, all that. Nothing too crazy. Nicely done. So, thank you. So, Phil, any any conferences you're coming up to? You're going to make it back to America for? Uh, we, we expect to see you at a conference soon? I am not legally allowed in America for about another three months. I think it's pretty much how that works. Um, after you've had a visa, you can't just kind of pop back up on holiday because they're like, that seems convenient. Um, so I'm, I'm staying Europe-y for a while. Um, but I will be back in August to race bikes. So that's my whole plan. <laughs> Where are you racing at? I don't know, just the usual cyclocross stuff in the the northeast of of New York and whatnot. But um, I will be at a couple of API days, conferences, and things like that. Um, I I actually might be swinging by the um, there's a Barcelona API meetup um, February twenty eighth. I'll have just got off a I'll have been on a ferry for two fucking days straight, so I might just not bother and just go to bed or ride my bike, but. Um, I'll be trying to to get to that that meetup in, in Barcelona, um, but I'm I'm not really conferencing all that much. How about you guys? How about you folks? I guess I'll go. Um, so in theory, I will be well. I'm for sure going to a Java event at the end of this month, and then it's a little up in the air as far as the PHP events go. After that, um, I need to have surgery on my foot, and traveling with a foot does not sound exciting to me so um i have php tech coming up um and then after that it's kind of kind of in there i'm sorry to hear that that sounds terrible it is what it is <laughs> we got vicodin we're good <laughs> uh, i had to i had to fly to a conference after ass surgery uh, that wasn't good that was about a 12 hour flight so uh, it could be worse <laughs> Did you get your ass excavated? Like, what happened here? <laughs> uh, Bicycle-related injury. <laughs> uh, okay. Ben, which ones are you going to be at? Ben? He's too busy giggling after I said ass surgery, I think. I mean, it was, it was pretty hard not to laugh at that, to be honest. Did you have to sit on a donut? I actually, yeah, I did. I did buy a donut for that for that flight. It was pretty bad. Nice, nice. Yeah, and a lot of whiskey also. No one else is doing any conferences. Uh, Ben. So 
Ben's going to be at Lone Star in May. He will be there. Uh, ben, is Patty coming? You can just type your response to me and I'll throw the world. Patty will probably not be there, so it'll just be Ben and I. Uh-oh. Oh, God. Oh, shit. That's going to be terrible. Um, and then I think he's doing two talks, I think. But I could be wrong. Um, and then I will be at Midwest. They asked me to keynote, which is terrible. Good Lord. Uh, so I'm keynoting, and then I'm also talking about Open API there, and then I'll be at Lone Star as well, talking about mental health stuff. Nice. And then, not sure after that. That's a pretty full schedule. Cool. It right. is, but it'll be fun. Well, Ben's my All friend. All right, cool. Broken, well, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Ben says goodbye, Phil. This is great having you on the podcast. Appreciate you dropping by. Thank you for having me. There you go. Amanda, it was great seeing you as well. Yeah, you too. I'll see you all next time in a few months. (laughs) There you go. All right. Thanks, y'all.